All right, here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Be Real. On today's show, we are going to be covering the Jon Snow spinoff show. That's a mouthful. Um, the trailer for Blonde, the Joker sequel being a musical, the Ezra Miller drama, three films announced from the Avatar Last Airbender world, the Obi-Wan Kenobi episode five, and of course, our box office roundup. So yeah, man, there's a lot to lot to go through here today. It's been, yeah. a, been a big news week, yeah. It has. Yep. You guys know the drill, but for those of you tuning into Let's Be Real for the first time, essentially what we do here is we dive into the big news of the week in the world of movies, TV, streaming, and more. My name is James, and I'm your host for today's episode. Uh, we're not joined by Nan today. He's uh, he's busy, you know, doing something else, um, but he'll mm-hmm. be back next week. But I am joined by Kyan. How are we doing, man? I'm good. It's Monday. It's the start, but it's. Um, I think it'll be a quick one. We get a we get a short week, but we um, do, I mean yeah. you'll leave after that, so I'm very happy. Yeah, you must be happy. I'm I'm so jealous of you right now. <laughs> you know, but I get a short week as well. But then I don't get the week off like you do. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just happy for that long weekend. Um, and I need it right now. So <laughs> yeah, I, I can't come soon enough. I can't. Um. But yeah, before we get started, just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who's joining us today on Let's Be Real. Really do appreciate it. I hope everyone is having a fantastic day. And as always, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. You know, there's a lot to discuss here today, man. So let's just get into it. So yeah, first up, this is a sensitive subject for you. I know. Mm. It's Game of Thrones. How do you bring this up? Stop right there. I have to. You know I have to. (laughs) Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so, you know, we got House of the Dragon com- coming up this year, and you know, it, it looks fine. It looks looks decent. It yes. looks like there's something going into it, some care and love into that. So, that's fine. But we have our first news of something after the Game of Thrones series. Yes. You know, something I don't think George R. R. Martin has really, you know explored oh, after the well, series. He, he hasn't explored his final yeah. books. So no, he certainly hasn't explored this. Yeah, we're already past that. Um Yeah. So yeah, no, we are getting, you know, a Jon Snow spin-off show. Um that's that's actually a mouthful to say, but um I, I don't know what it's gonna entail, but it seems like it's an early development and Kit Harrington is ready to appear as Jon Snow again. Mm. Um I, I don't know where this goes, but like it is going past the Game of Thrones series, and I know that the ending had an effect on us all, but I know you were... You're a massive fan of Game of Thrones, so, like, is this the right move for the Game of Thrones franchise to, you know, push itself forward beyond that core series? Well, look, it's got nowhere to go but up. Because that final season was the lowest of lows, I think. Yeah, um, yeah no, in, in truth, all jokes aside, I think that, um, you know, this final season, I'm actually not opposed to it, mm. surprisingly. Um, and that's, that's not because I'm, like, excited for more Game of Thrones. You know, I- I'm well and truly over the, the franchise, the IP in general. Mm. Um, but I think... It's it's really because of the comments that HBO made mm. uh, regarding their their feelings about the franchise and IP itself. Yeah, and that was that um, in the beginning they said 
um, yes, we're going to be doing House of the Dragon. However, this is likely to be our last entry unless it is um, it gets a great reception from audiences mm. and we, um, we, we think there's something there. Yeah. Essentially is what they were saying. I, I'm putting words into their mouth there. Mm-hmm. But, but the roundabout thing of what they were saying was that unless it's very good, we won't make anything more. Yeah. So this begs the question, why are they making a Game of Thrones series before House of Dragon even releases? Hmm. why why are they planning this yeah is this preemptive and that that it's leaked or is this um are they so confident in the series that they love what they saw that they think that there's something to this Mm. so it kind of look it doesn't excite me gives you some faith but it gives me some um sense of faith yes that hbo might be thinking that House of Dragon is a very well-made series and that there is still potential in this franchise to not redeem itself, but to rekindle an audience Mm. because it's a huge IP. Yeah. It's probably the biggest new IP that I can remember. I mean, it started a while ago. It's it's tough to make that distinction, but it's certainly up there. It's huge. And, and, and it's it is, top five, at least, I would say, in the past it's top 10 five, years. It's top five right now. Yeah. Like, an all-time. Oh, not all-time, but, like, relevant right now, I guess. Um, but further to that, I don't believe HBO Max or HBO one bit when they say they're not going to do anything until, you know, House of the, Gra- House of the Dragon is good. Mm. because they got HBO Max now. And, you know, we've seen this with Disney, Disney Plus, that, you know, they don't really care about the quality of their IP. We've seen this with Star Wars. They don't care about the status or the reputation of the IP. They just want to create new things that constantly break viewing records. And, you know, we've seen it with, you know, Mandalorian, Boba Fett, with Obi-Wan Kenobi. It they'll break the records, but like they're not they're not better than they're not even like they don't rival the Star Wars movies at all. Like they're just their own thing. Yeah, look, you're not wrong yeah. about um about HBO wanting mm. high viewership. Yeah, but HBO aren't Disney. That's they true. have a completely different philosophy. Yeah, yeah. It might might be unfair to compare them to Disney, um, but I don't believe that HBO has really. I think there's more projects in store mm. in terms of the Game of Thrones IP. I think there's more than just, you know, this House of the Dragon and this more than the Jon Snow spinoff, whatever. I think there's more to it than that. And I think we'll get announcements later on. Yeah. But Kit Harrington signed on. Yes. And that, that brings me to a, a point where, like, I have a little bit of hope in this. And I, I probably shouldn't because I yeah. am... This is completely unwritten material. I believe House of the Dragon, there's some history that George R. R. Martin has formed in that. And that's where HBO Max can, they can rely on that in a sense. This is territory that hasn't even been, you know, touched upon by, you know, George R. R. Martin. And we've seen the HBO Game of Thrones series, you know, kind of not be that great if George R. R. Martin is not there to helm support or even provide some sort of context to it it's just 
when they go off on their own thing, it's not that great. It's not compelling. It, it doesn't work as good as it should be. Mm. So it does. And I'm cautiously optimistic, but I want to have faith in this and just, I just want to see where it goes. I hope they can really pull something special here. Yeah. So do I. I mean, yeah, look, the Game of Thrones series kind of relies heavily upon George R. R. Martin, as you say, yeah. as being the core writer there. However, you know, as much as people bag them, D&D, they're not bad writer-directors. They're, they're not. The problem is they were done with Game of Thrones. Yeah. They they, they were over it, and mm. they wanted to rush it and yeah. finish it. Mm. There are episodes throughout Game of Thrones. There are entire... 10 15 minute long scenes which, which were purely written by D&D um David Benioff and D.B. Weiss yeah that did not exist in the books and they're brilliant they're brilliantly written and brilliantly performed you're not wrong yeah um so at the end of the day it comes down to D&D being uh impatient um wanting wanting something wanting to end something great too fast prematurely yeah prematurely mm. and and in that process souring it um so yeah i mean that's my feelings of game of thrones as i've given many times i think but um yeah however you know this game this john snow thing look i'm open to anything i'm open to something new mm. every every single time it doesn't yeah. matter how old i get I'm open to something new. Yeah. Um, I want to see something different. I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, I can't. At the end of the day, man, I'm, it, it brings me brings me great joy to see you, you know, at least be open and, you know, accepting of something new like this because I know how much that last season of Game of Thrones hit you. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen you have so much faith in something to the last second. Yeah. And, until that. Because I remember our discussions throughout the entire season and you you were like, nah, nah, nah. Like, it was like the fall out. from grace, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. They're going to do this. I'm like, nah, bro. Like, it's clearly not. And you were just, yeah, you were like, you had full faith in that and it completely destroyed you when it really went downhill. Mm-hmm. So... To see you optimistic, at least about you know this series, it's it's it, it, it's a good thing to have at the end of the day. And I think you know, I think HBO wants to do justice to this franchise or this IP at the end of the day. So let's hope it really translates to good results and something good. Indeed. But yeah, we'll have to see with that one. Uh, you know, but now we're gonna move on to the teaser trailer for Blonde. I mean, there's been a lot of news leading up to this uh, movie, mm-hmm. mostly in terms of its NC-17 rating, an extremely rare rating. It has to have some pretty, uh, you know, dark themes and dark content. Yeah, yeah. Throughout the entire movie, it's it's pretty hard to reach that NC-17 uh, level by the MPAA. Um, but Blonde's done it apparently. And, you know, the director's been on record to say that, you know, it's like maybe people are too soft about this. Maybe it's not that. And it's all this kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. like, it, it's an intriguing movie. It, it's released on Netflix, which is something because, you know, Netflix is available to everyone, including children. So, there's not mm-hmm. much there's not much protection around that for them. Um, and you know, we got Ana Diamas, you know, a high profile actress going into, uh, an extremely iconic role in, um, Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Yeah, we, we finally got the teaser trailer. It doesn't really dive too deep into the NC-17 content, but, you know... Yeah, it's not a reband trailer at all. Oh, absolutely not, yeah. But, like, did you like the trailer for Blonde? And, you know, does this tease actually get you any more excited for the movie? I wish there was a little more to it. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it felt a little bare, mm. um, because the primary thing I was looking for was can Ana Diamas master the american um dialect mm. uh, specifically right um you know i guess very specifically the sort of um uh, west western you know californian accent yep um that you know marilyn monroe has mm. um so that's the kind of key thing i was looking for and we only really got a very smidge a, a tiny smidge of dialogue from that right. rest was yeah. black and white imagery throughout which all looked beautiful um but you know they 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 had uh they had the goal to show a you know an extremely what what looked to be an extremely emotional scene yeah um in that trailer yeah and put that as the front line mm. sort of thing there yeah so i think they they they're trying to sort of say to us, this is a serious um, sort of look into Marilyn Monroe mm. and not a, a watered down Hollywood version. This is the true version of her. And, yeah. you know, nothing says that more than shooting your film black and white as well, because you're telling, mm. you know, the audiences who aren't into that. Yeah. yeah, look, this is a serious depiction. Is it, is it shot in black and white? Because I saw some color scenes in it. Trailer. Oh, is there color scenes in it? I I believe so. I, I know it's like it's mostly black and white, but like I don't know if there's actually okay. It may be color. one of those films that have it chooses it deliberately, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. like for past sequences, it's in black and white, and then as it tr- transitions right. to like yeah, um, you know, like after nineteen mm. sixty or whatever, then it moves yeah. into color. I mean, I, I'm liking this since I don't know much about Marilyn Monroe. So mm. I'm, you know, excited to explore uh, something that feels like a unfiltered story of hers. Yeah. And, you know, for someone so iconic to uh, America, it's it's going to be quite nice to see something that's like purely authentic towards the person. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and Anna Diamas from the, the teaser, it's, it's like a minute long, so I can't take much away from it. Yeah. I, I always said she didn't feel like a good fit and mm. she felt too unexperienced to or inexperienced to really take on such an iconic and a powerful role. Yeah. So I, I always had a little bit of skepticism towards that. And she is kind of, she she's quite innocent in terms of the role she plays and sort of the, how she portrays it to, to see someone in like an NC-17 role after what I've seen her in, it's just not, it's going to be quite jarring. Um, but from, at least from this, from an acting standpoint, she really seems to bring so much to this role. In just terms of that laugh, it's just something like, how, she, how there's so much into that little piece that I saw from her that I really have true faith in her now that she can really pull this role off. Okay. And well, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm excited for her performance at least, but it's like you're saying it it is not much at the end of the day and you know there's a lot more we need to see before we can start making judgments on how this movie's going to be yeah i mean 
there's sort of two things to that. And the first is that um, yeah, Ana Diamas is no stranger to, um, you know, R-rated films or you know yeah yeah i know she, that she, yeah. she's she's very familiar with them she's in plenty of films that contain nudity and violence and all those sorts of things mm. um and the second thing is that um she is i think um someone who is trying to work her way up absolutely from from what i understand she actually spent i think it was nine months with a dialect coach working on her american accent for this role for mama wow yeah um to to perfect not perfect but to accurately portray it yeah um and so you know i don't as i say we've only seen a one line Mm. from this movie and i I repeated that line i think about six times Mm. to try and listen to, to to her voice yeah um, I'm no dialect coach, of course, but um, it sounded pretty decent. Yeah. Um, it sounded like she had definitely moved past her, like, Colombian accent. Mm. And she'd moved into a, a definitely an American dialect. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just like, she seems really dedicated to this role. Mm-hmm. And, and a part of me is quite sad that it's just a Netflix movie at the end of the day. It feels deserving of something a little bit more than this. Um, but I hope there's, you know, an awards push for this and stuff like that. And if, you know, Diamas is really gone, you know, really committed to this, then I hope it really translates on screen, you know? Yeah, so, so do I. I think what we can take away from this in the first teaser, I think it's really positive at the end of the day. It looks great. The filmmaking looks really good. Yes. And her performance looks great. So let's hope it really, you know, actually becomes something pretty good. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move on now to something that's uh, quite interesting in its own unique area. So, we discussed on you know last week's Let's Be Real that Joker 2 had been announced. It was in development. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, he was in Final Talks to be on board with this series. Oh, not the series, uh, the sequel. Mm-hmm. And now we got news that Lady Gaga, she has been... Uh, She's in Final Talks as well to be Harley Quinn in mm-hmm. the Joker sequel. And even more interesting than that, the sequel is going to be a musical. Yes. I mean, this is, you know, completely different to uh, what the first one was. So, I mean, like, is, is this the right move for, you know, the sequel of Joker? I think it is. I think it's the best move. Um, mm. I think that Joker 2 requires something different. And look, what you got from the first Joker was something different. What you should get from the second Joker is something different even further. Yeah. Because you need to um, up it in a way. You need to up it in some different way. Yeah. To to draw audiences in and get them go, huh, I'm really interested to see how that is. Mm. Um, And, you know, in my opinion, we live in an age of musicals right now. So many musicals releasing. Um probably yeah. more so than since 1960 mm. <laughs> probably yeah, yeah, yeah. um 1960 <laughs> was is notoriously the golden age of hollywood i wouldn't call right now a golden age but i would say it probably a silver age yeah um for for cinema mm. um so right now we, we you know we can lots lots of musicals of revitalization um i hope that this 
is something interesting and this is a musical and that Joaquin Phoenix is in this and that Lady Gaga is in this because I want to see Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. Yeah. I don't want to see a um a beautiful Harley Quinn again. I think yeah. that that's probably an extremely basic way of thinking about her. Mm. I don't think that she she should necessarily just be the crazy attractive woman yeah that's really what she's kind of boiled down to yeah um i think she should be just a little bit more than that almost just as insane as the joker well yeah i mean they're pretty much you know doppelgangers of one another so exactly yeah and and that's what she should be yeah and so to see her plus with this musical angle Mm. i think is perfect i think it's perfect i think it's it's right on i think it's dead on and i think this idea is brilliant yeah i think they should go go for it Mm-hmm. And that I think that um, whoever's writing this needs to know what they're doing, because yeah. I, I I like I like Todd Phillips as a comedy director. I don't trust him as a writer. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Um, I want to see him write something solo and good. Yeah. Um, that that's when I'll trust him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're pretty much bang on the money there, man. Like. At the end of the day, the first Joker I found a little bit more than average. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. You know, it was interesting. I don't think it was anything new or special. It was just kind of like it tried to do its own thing, and I really respect it for that kind of kind of thing I got from it. It it didn't really do anything for me, and I haven't had any you know inclination to go and revisit that story. Mm. But this is incredible. This is this is truly something new. Yeah. This is something where like they're going all in. That they, they they want to do something new. They want to do something fresh. They want to attract Joaquin Phoenix to come back a second time to do this. Yeah. You know, they want to go all out. And having Lady Gaga there, I think, you know, she's a great actress, you know, even in the, the drama realm of things, but like, you know, you attach that voice to Harley Quinn, and you put her yeah. in a musical. Whew. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what kind of like results you're going to get there, but it feels like it's going to be positive. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I hope the writing is you know backed by someone else besides Todd Phillips. I hope it's on a solo act by him. Um, hopefully, something compelling there, and hopefully that you know the songs sung in it are compelling, um, and they are done in a way that actually furthers the story it's not just you know a song and then they come back to the story kind of thing so it, it's 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 a heavy task it's, it's something that's going to be tough to really pull off but in terms of the direction or to take this story or to even create a sequel out of something that's you know, it was its own thing mm. right way to go right and, way to go and and i think that's all sequels or, you know, spin-offs and whatnot, they should be doing this. They should be looking at alternative angles and different ways to take it and fucking take risks. Yeah, take risks. Take risks because it, it might just pay off at the end of the day. You, you know, Joker at the end of the day is a risk. Yeah. It, it's about a villain and it, and it's slow and it's, it's quiet and it's interesting and it's barely in the action in it. Made over a billion dollars, so... Yeah. These things can pay off. I think it is the right move. And, you know, I'm hoping we get some even, you know, more exciting news 
about it further down the line. So do I. And, you know, to further this, I think that, you know, I must say, I don't want to be a simp for Warner Brothers, but I feel like like, I am a bit of a simp for Warner Brothers because I feel like they are pushing some boundaries Mm. um, and they're willing to put their money where their mouth is. You know, um, yeah. I appreciate what Marvel is doing. They they are trying. They are trying. Mm. As much as it seems like they aren't, they yeah. are trying to yeah. to push those boundaries. Mm. Um, it's very very obvious. Yeah. But um, Warner Brothers knows it cannot match Disney slash Marvel's powerhouse. Um, you know, IP and, and compete in that realm yeah so they have to look at alternative avenues yeah they know they can't compete in that area so they're looking at are these other interesting avenues and i think that's where the most creativity happens is where you know you're fighting yeah you're fighting against some some other giant mm. yeah yeah no I, I agree i've always found you know warner brothers to be the most uh daring of the studios yes and in, in a sense it's always been a good thing they have their misses mm-hmm. but when they have the hits they're big they're big they're and big they payoffs big time so it, it usually pays off you know i think they're responsible for you know blade runner you know dunko all these interesting things that make yeah. a lot of money yeah. so they there are that pays off and i think you know warner brothers should continue to be a symbol of that yes yeah but we're, we're gonna move on to some uh not so fortunate news right now and that is the ezra miller saga Oh boy! This has uh, continued on far longer than I would. You know, I was happy to talk about. <laughs> you know, I felt like we talked about this ages ago, we and, did. and it's still going on. It's, it's like sh- another sequel. It's like it's like the Jurassic World series. It's like a sequel we didn't want. Yeah, <laughs> that just keeps coming. It just keeps coming, and yeah, no, there's just been more developments that you know I'm not, I'm not fond of talking about. But you know, to cover it, you know, on a very basic terms, he's. Uh, apparently you know groomed uh 18 year old child talked to them since they were 12 years old but you know groomed them convinced them of certain things gave them lsd alcohol this kind of stuff and they're on the run now apparently authorities can't find them um the parents you know they filed a restraining order and you know i think they went through the the legal proceedings of that and i think the judge or whoever's in charge actually granted that and Ezra Miller has to be served that he has to mm. be told that he is not allowed us within i think 2000 meters of you know this child here so he can't be served no one can find him yeah so, yeah it's it's a pretty wild thing and it, it's it's clear that we've gotten here through a pattern of really uh weird and quite silly behavior so you know warner brothers they've at least under new management through the you know discovery and warner brothers merger that Ezra miller will not be the flash in anything after the flash movie so he, he's gone as the flash once flash releases there still have been no formal um, decisions on the Flash movie, but what we do know now is that he he has no part in the DC universe once that movie releases. So I'm I'm really just wondering, like, obviously, do you think it's justified that he's gone from this role? And like, what do you think they should do with the actual Flash movie that's coming up next year? I mean, they can't find the man. <laughs> Well, they can't do much about it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, 
how do you file anything when you can't find the man? Um, so, what do you do? Uh, you know, it's at the point now where it's like, okay, well, we can't find Ezra, so let's just not cast him in anything, <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, given all the controversies and uh, seriousness, um, yeah, sure. I, I don't blame Warner Brothers for one second. This is... It uh, comes down to it both, obviously, uh, socially a poor bet and financially a poor bet because mm. um, you can't find your actor, you can't find your talent, so cut him out. Mm. Frankly, I think that it was strange to me they were making a Flash movie to begin with, given what they decided upon Zack Snyder's universe. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know why they were doing this. Well, I, I know it's based on the, you know, the Flash, Flashpoint comic book. And it's a shame we don't have Nane here to, to explain it further. But it's, I believe it's going to be designed the film to really reset the DCU. And As start a pivot it, point, yeah. And start it off on a new foot. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like they should just do what Warner Brothers always does and ignore it. You know, like, I think that's the best medicine for them. Just be like, yeah, all right, let's start again. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Because I think that's what's weak best for them. Mm. Um, so, in that sense, I mean, this the situation is crazy. It's like, yeah. it's like a sequel that keeps getting more, like, audacious. A little bit juicy every time, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It, but, but, however, the, with each juiciness and level it gets to, I... I like guess get less surprised oh yeah in a way you kind of get numb to the whole thing at the end of the day yeah Yeah. at some point i'm just sort of like like they could say like oh yeah ezra miller like um he went and blew up the un um i I mean i would be surprised at that that's (laughs) that that, i'd be surprised surprise but i would be like damn ezra miller classic no you wouldn't (laughs) no that that is too far i mean obviously i mean everything now is too far as well but like we've spoken about his behavior on the sh- like show like multiple times like it just keeps coming up nearly like every second week and it's just exhausting at this point like we don't have much new to say about it because it's it's a pattern now and like it's mm-hmm. it's not news anymore because well, that's... it's like talking about the amber hood and uh, yeah Johnny yeah Depp like thing. like yeah. It's, it's not really news anymore it's just it's just what he is that that's what he does now and that's fine, but, you know, the implications that it has on his future in Hollywood is going to be limited now, and this is the right decision, you know, in terms of, you know, organizing, you know, the whole marketing campaign and the PR of it all. It's just, it's going to be way too complicated now. You can't have him in interviews. You can't have him to promote the film because, you know, every journalist and every news reporter is going to jump on that bandwagon and try and get information. Hey, what do you think? What were you thinking when you did this in Hawaii kind of thing, you know? Well, well look, I'm, yeah. I'm sure in some way he's aware of that. I'm sure he's aware of the repercussions. Yeah. Um, I think he just doesn't care. You know, a lot of these actors are, you know, they're people outside of yeah. what Hollywood is and what acting is. Yeah. You know? But, you know, you know they, they live their own lives and they, they make their own decisions, good mm. or bad. Yeah. In this, in this situation, does not seem to be for the better, but, um, you know, he's made his, he's made his own decisions. Mm. so it is what it is and he he has to live with the you know consequences of his actions and I mean, that's true yeah. yeah uh in terms of the 
you know him not being the Flash moving forward. I think it's a it's a good decision, not just because of the behavior that he does and has and has committed. You know, over the last like ten weeks, it's just you know DC needs a restart anyway, so this kind of assists in that yeah. thing. So I mean, it's almost yeah. like a natural thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna move on now. It's bit something negative to talk about, so we're gonna go on to something that's uh hopefully a little bit more positive mm. and that is uh you know three new films being announced from the you know the avatar last airbender world and they're kind of like they're just standalone interesting uh you know movies i guess yeah you know uh the first one meant to be released in 2024 is kyoshi movie 2025 a zuko movie mm-hmm. and 2026 a Korra movie now, I've seen the Avatar Last Airbender series. I'm not mm. so ingrained in it that I'm like, you know, um, I'm not quite familiar with these characters like much. But I know Zuko and I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're much more in, in touch with that uh, world and that universe and stuff like that. So how do, how do you feel about this? And is this the right move sort of for that world considering it's been quite, you know, neglected over the last 10 years or so? Um, look, it makes sense why there are these movies. Mm. Um, these movies make sense. I mean, uh, let's start for the first one, Kyoshi. Uh, um, yeah. Kyoshi was a Earthbender avatar mm. that was basically the previous Earthbender avatar to Aang. Yeah. Um, in the Avatar: The Last Airbender series. Um, so she was the most sort of um the first port of call for Aang to connect to. Mm. um then there is the zuko series yeah which is basically i guess it's it's hard to understand what this is is mm. this a direct continuation is this a year after is this Before, 10 20 yeah. 30 40 50 years after zuko's that's true entire journey um it's hard to know yeah. so you know look that would logically be the most exciting of the three mm. however um they have mentioned a uh Korra series yeah. um, which is supposedly just after the apparently so yeah yeah so i actually think that is probably the most interesting of the three shockingly mm. yeah because it is um actually a continuation of the story mm. N- not of Korra but of yeah. the entire avatar universe mm. which is kind of big yeah um so that's something to keep an eye on however what we don't know is that who this is by because that's a big part of it that is a huge part of it because we know that actually um um the original creators are are creating their own content Mm. about avatar through paramount and then paramount directly are also creating their own stuff yeah so there are two sides to this there is the paramount side and then there is the original creator side yeah so it's hard to know yeah which 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 should you should you be excited for i would say both but at the same time i have heard that um this these three movies um are likely to be the paramount ones yeah and are likely to be um cgi animation Mm. um they're not hand-drawn yeah 
They're not what you know. Well, it's more timely and intricate, that kind of process. So you, you're right. It, does it is. Sense. It's more It's more expensive. It's yeah. more complex. Mm. Um, however, um, it does in of itself feel more like a continuation if I'll, it's hand-drawn. I'll agree to that. And, you know, I don't, I don't think... I don't think it's a major, mm. you know, aspect in terms of thinking about this. I think it, it's obviously in the characters and story at the end of the day. If, if that works, then the then the movie works. Um, but in terms of you know the individual projects themselves, Zuko, where can that character go? I felt like his whole thing was like his arc was complete. Yeah, and there's not much journey or growth for that character to really experience now. So I'm really interested in that. And I hope maybe it's set in a different time period. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know anything about Korra or Koyoshi enough to really, you know, provide something on that. But like, I think this is good at the end of the day. I think that Paramount Plus has really uh, brought in, they've brought in the creators to, you know, this whole studio that they're sort of doing with everything Avatar related because their live action one's done with Disney Oh, mm-hmm. not Disney, sorry, Netflix. And so I think there's a really um, good relationship relationship between the creators of Avatar Last Airbender and, you know, Paramount Plus mm-hmm. because they're the ones working together to create uh, the new series, I believe. The new sort of like IP world. Yes, well. yes, yes. And, you know, we, we know that the Avatar um, Last Airbender, you know, they cre- the creators left the Netflix side of things mm. and they're pairing up with paramount Plus's side of things so there's obviously some good relationship going on there and hopefully that can really translate to these movies that have been announced right now and i do have faith that while may not be up to the standards and mm. the expectations i think they're going to be serviceable at the minimum yes yeah i agree yeah all right we are going to be moving on to something that's you know, wait a little bit heavily on us, you know, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, you know, yeah. we, we've made it a kind of tradition through the last few Let's Be Reals to really cover each episode. I don't know why, but it, it, it's interesting to talk about because the show was one that, you know, me, Kyan and Nan, we all really, really were excited for this and just to see what they could do with it. And it's fair to say it's been pretty underwhelming as of late, but you know, episode five it was uh it was a big one and it was the one before the finale. So yeah, man, like what do you think of it? Um you know I think it's it's fair to say when things improve. Mm. You know, it's fair to say this was an improvement upon the last thing. Yeah. But in this situation, it's like, this was an improvement, sure, mm. but it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it's too late now. Mm. Um, they've kind of, you know, buried their own grave. Right. And whatever they showed in this showed the same flaws that were in the last four episodes, mm. which was a complete lack of sort of vision, consistency, tone, mm. everything that is needed in the series. It's just we get some very sort of like hype you know vader strong sequences cool moments yes we get some of those sequences sure Mm. um but 
I've had my fill of Vader cool sequences. Um, yeah. More of it doesn't make something better. Mm. I, I want to see Obi-Wan as a character and I want to see him done well. And yep. I just don't, I don't get any of that in this. Yep. We, we don't get any development. Nothing. We don't get any growth. We get nothing. So at the end of the day, there is zero improvement here to me. Mm. Um, is it, does it provide more entertainment value than episode three? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it um, narratively constructed better and have a better vision? No. Mm. I, there's no improvement upon the vision here yeah um there's some things revealed here that you know in case you haven't seen it spoiler alert but mm-hmm. um there is a, a reveal of you know um some obi-wan sequences and of the third sister and her origins mm-hmm. um i think that that would have been a really cool reveal if the writing was good Agreed. And I think that all these sequences um, flashing between Obi-Wan and Anakin would have been fantastic. Yeah. If it was written well. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're putting in these sequences here that are kind of neat mm. to see. Yeah. In between gutter trash. Yeah. You're left with nothing. Yeah. Man, I, I agree. You know... <sighs> I watch Revenge of the Sith and I think uh, Anakin's turn to the dark side was way too sudden. Mm-hmm. Not much not much development through that. So I thought this series had a good chance to really put some redeeming factors on that element of that movie there. Um, and we kind of got that with this one. Mm. Um, we, we, we saw more of Anakin as a Jedi and sort of seeing his uh, rage and emotions sort of, you know, come to the, come to the fray and sort of being... Um, you know, cautionary elements of his training, I guess. Mm. Um, but you're right. It's, it's, it's not written well. Um, same with the third sister. It's just like, it's a great reveal. It's a good idea. It's something interesting, something like, like how I expected something like that would ever happen. And so for it to just be so incredibly underwhelming and, you know, not provide me anything is is quite sad because i i do think that's quite an interesting idea but yeah it's not executed well the writing is not there to support it to back up its own vision of that yeah yeah that's a good point um and you know it's if you're a hype man you're gonna love this episode because there's so much hype moments in it and they are really cool as a star wars fanboy the star wars and fa- fanboy inside me love some of the sequences in this whether it's vader pulling down you know a a fleeting starship or Mm -hmm. um the force only fight kind of thing i thought that was you know great but you know the the critical side of me is just like this is really nothing at the end of the day it's just kind of i'm watching cool stuff happen but yeah no meanings applied to it and you know leading on from this it's just like where does six episode go? Vader has to be done because you've already outstretched him and it's just kind of like meaningless at this point, especially if it's tied into, you know, Luke Skywalker and stuff like that as we got the hint of or and having the third sister go on a, a rage thing again against Kenobi was just redundant because she's already was on that path. I just, I, I, yeah. they, they, it feels like they've dug, them, dug themselves their own grave and they're just riding into that. So, We'll, we'll let this ride out, but in terms of Vader, man, 
Rogue One. Do you remember Rogue One? The Vader sequence in that? Yes. Better than anything I've seen Same. in terms of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. You know why? It's because of budget. Mm-hmm. Because of budget, like I'm, I'm, I'm so sick of people justifying these Disney Plus series that have 150, 180 million dollar budgets and being like, oh yeah, it has a movie size budget, it's like five to six hours long. It's not the same thing. Mm. The money per minute is significantly less, probably half. So it's not going to look nearly as good. It's not going to look as grand. Less care is going to be put into it. There's less staff because there's less money to you know spend on you know, talented people. So mm-hmm. it's just like you can't putting Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in a Disney Plus series, I think is a complete monstrosity in terms of, you know, putting them in such something that makes them look so cheap. <laughs> you can only yeah. afford it for like yeah. the final episode. You can't mm. afford it for like both continuously throughout it. Yeah. And you can't afford these massive stage scenes a- and stuff like a- that. Absolutely. And budget per minute, I think needs to be a discussion that needs to be talked about more because it's just not... And Obi-Wan and Darth Vader are generational characters that will carry on to probably the end of time in terms of pop culture. And to put them in something cheap is just yeah. you disappointing. Know, you know, look, there's there's something that, um, you know, um, of all people, Taika Waititi said mm. the other day. Um, and it's, it's kind of permeated throughout the internet recently. And it's that he said... Um, for the uh, he's been pegged mm. as the notable next director for the next Star Wars trilogy, yeah, or films, mm. or film, yeah. Um, and he said that Star Wars needs to expand, mm. and that um, it cannot rely on its old characters anymore. I yeah, I've none heard of them. Comment. Yeah, none. I've heard these characters. Oh, these comments. Yeah, and and I completely agree with them. Mm-hmm. Though I'm I'm not and su- always in support of Taika Waititi's style of writing. Yeah, I love his directing. I don't think he's as great of a writer as he is a director, but um, mm. I think that that's so true. Yeah, he's he's spot on there. It needs to expand beyond what these characters are, and I think that. Obi-Wan, above all things, is kind of illustrating how much Disney is milking these characters to yeah. death. I just don't... I don't want to see this... This is the way Obi-Wan goes down. Mm. I don't want to see that. I would love... If Season 2 comes out, it greatly improves upon it, and then it finishes it. Th- that's what I want. Yeah, I don't want more and more and more and more. I, well, we're going to get a season two. I just feel it. Yeah, just because of record-breaking numbers. I actually think that means a lot. Apparently, yeah, yeah. I th- actually think we do need a season two, mm. not because I want it, but because I think this needs adjusting. Yeah, uh, I mean, I do agree with that. But in terms of Tyker's comments, there, I just, I'm, I really, really struggle with being excited in anything Star Wars now. Yeah. I, I, I truly do, and it, it doesn't bring me joy to say that. I really am uh, really sad to be able to say those kind of words because Star Wars is a big part of my childhood. You know, my, my dad always used to take me to, you know, those prequels when they came out. Mm. He doesn't watch them anymore because he's he's done with it. It's just not for him. It's just, you, you know, they're milking things. They're not 
doing it in a way that's you know familiar with star wars fandom and that's fine do something new i get it but at least keep the you know the character writing consistent at least keep you know things at the same quality and and that being a high quality don't resort to these disney plus series that dull down characters drag out storylines and just create things that that are boring cheap and meaningless like it's just yeah like, it's flat is what it is. That, and, that, and, that's all it is at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, and to me, you know, a lot of people have, you know, everyone has different views of what Star Wars is to mm, them. Yeah. You know, for, for some it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, a space opera. Mm. For others it's, you know, um, you know, a purely a nostalgic fandom experience. Yeah. And, and for some people like me, I view it purely as like a sort of, it's supposed to be, challenging light and dark mm. lightness and darkness and, yeah. and that's what it is like at its most purest form mm. you know it's about conflict and yeah. i think that's what it should always be about yeah and i feel like whatever it is in the modern age is not mm. that i love mandalorian yeah um for different reasons yeah. but whatever star wars is nowadays isn't that yeah i mean if i had to boil boil it down to sort of one idea what star wars is meant to be it's sort of like i think star wars can be anything it wants to be what it wants well what it chooses to be at the end of the day is sort of up to you know i guess the heads of disney at the end of the day you know and i don't think they've taken it in the right direction and i hope you know at least tyker's or somebody else's vision you know ryan johnson's meant to be doing doing a trilogy i don't know about that it's a bit of a mess right now, but I hope they can take it in a new direction that brings some, you know, new energy, new fun to the series. Mm. Because I think everybody needs that to just keep revisiting past storylines and past characters. It's just kind of you, you're just dwelling on the past. You're you're leaning on to it. You know, you should be looking forward to the future. Kind of yeah, feel to it. Yeah, and so let's hope let's hope it goes that direction. But let's the hope. the Andor series coming up just leaning onto the past again so we'll see we'll see where it goes um but yeah we'll move on now to our usual box office roundup so it's time to cover the box office estimates for the weekend so we got a number one surprise jurassic world dominion at 58.7 million and then second Lightyear with 51 million Whew. And then third, Top Gun Maverick at forty-four million. And fourth, yeah. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness at four point two million. At number five, we got the Bob's Burgers movies at Bob's Burgers movie at one point one million. Mm. So let's put that in perspective for a minute. Top Gun Maverick fourth weekend was within seven million of Lightyear's opening weekend. Buzz Lightyear, a generational animated character. Yeah, didn't even make number one. Yeah, against Jurassic World, who had what are the reviews like for that? And it's the second week. Yep. Yep. It's just, it's it's mind blowing. This entire box office, like, don't get me wrong, the box office weekend is really great in terms of the amount of money going into cinemas and stuff like that. Because yeah. you know you got a fifty eight, fifty one, and forty four here. That we're kind of reaching. We're getting back into the billion dollar ranges yeah yeah normal box office is starting to kick back in now but to have Lightyear open up so low i'm both sad and you know 
happy mm. about it. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. no discredit to Lightyear. I didn't like it that much. I thought it was borderline average. Um, this, this worries me in a bad way that Disney's going to look at this and be like, we're right. Pick some movies, Disney Plus for free from now on kind of thing. Yeah, but but the thing mm. is, I actually think that this isn't really a Pixar movie. I feel like this is more Disney than... But it's the same thing. You know, like Turning Red, Luca, Soul. They're, they're, they all fit under the Pixar banner. They fall under yeah. the Pixar banner. However, none of... Uh, Lightyear doesn't contain a single director, writer, or producer from the Pixar team. Um, whereas pretty much every Pixar film contains at least one of those films or every other pixar film contains one of those what turning red turning red yes contains uh i think a producer or at least a writer but it's it's still got pixar it's got the logo in front of it has a logo but that 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 qualifies as a pixar movie regardless yeah sure but you put the pixar logo in front of a movie it's it has to live up to that it has to but the thing is i think that what disney is doing is that it's increasingly trying to um integrate with pixar it's trying to merge the two into one it's like doubling uh you know that studio's size and then just subverting one half of that that they doubled to make these other movies like lightyear and stuff like that these borderline average movies and let the pixar team dedicate their time to relevant stuff like soul and all that kind of stuff so yeah disney being able to you know grow pixar does more of a disservice to the studio at the end of the day because you know it's just like it's got too much on its plate yeah exactly i mean like i would see more i would see it as like sort of disney are trying their best to take the best components of pixar Mm. and integrate it into their own films yeah they're trying to sort Mm. of uh, not steal but uh, accumulate what pixar has their, yeah. their, their best parts and yeah. put it in their own films but in that process um the two studios or the two animation studios are merging mm. and you're getting kind of none of the best well we let the, or sorry they let you know pixar go off and do this stuff every now and again we yes. saw it with soul soul amazing yes. toy story 4 great you mm-hmm. know like Pixar has its time to shine, but you know you look you look back from like I'd say twenty thirteen onwards, it's just Pixar has not been Pixar. Yeah, it's, it's kind of lost its mojo. Yeah, it's lost its mojo, and that's you know equivalent, or that's you know as a result of two movies a year, sequel based IP driven stuff. Yes, and so you know it's just like there's there's no like creativity here, and at the end of the day. Top Gun is proving this. Word of mouth is everything. Mm. I mean, like, MCU, I guess, is the only exception at this point. But word of mouth is everything. And Top Gun is going to be, and might even be the best, biggest domestic film of the year. Yeah. I mean, Avatar has the only real chance of topping it maybe Black Panther. Black Panther might. An extreme outside shot with that one avatar 2 i would i would say it's likely in my opinion but 
625 to 650 million for Top Gun, it's it's a top 10 movie right there. Yeah. That's top 10 in the, in the domestic market. So that's huge. Um, you know, but when it comes to Lightyear, it's something that I, you know, told you and Nan multiple times. Why? No one is excited for this. Mm. No one wants us. Why is this a movie? It's like, it's like kind of like Toy Story 4. Yeah. I mean, like, dude, but it's, Toy Story is about the ensemble. It's not about the, the solo act of a character. Mm. So, like. It's true. Uh, Lightyear looked good by trailers. The animation looked great and looked quite interesting. But, like, why? Mm. Why is that a movie? And I just, I kept asking myself that and I could never give myself an answer. So, it makes makes me feel like. You know, there are a lot of other people out there, a lot of families out there that kind of ask themselves the same thing. And it's just like, yeah, it's just its own little thing. I don't care to take you know, my family to this. So, Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think it's just a reality of the film underperforming based on its narrative. I mm. don't think the narrative is particularly family friendly. Um, I think yeah. it's actually... That too, yeah. Confusing in a bad way. Yeah. Um. I actually like kids' films that are a little more complex, mm. but this is complex in a bad way. Yeah. And that it's like, it's it's confusing and it, it doesn't make much sense logically. Mm. Um, and it's also kind of, the confusing part is boring and not interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, which is, yeah. is even worse. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, yeah. Lightyear was a dud. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, much, much much else to say. So it's like it, it it's not really attracting prior to release, but it's not attracting after release as well. And I mean that in terms of word of mouth and you know reviews, they just aren't there. They aren't supportive enough of the thing to really convince people to come watch the movie. So I think marketing mm. was fairly poor for this as well. I don't that, think there's that too as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there was any really great draw. And, and and really no tone or excitement established for it. It's just kind of like... No, and you feel that when yeah. you watch the movie as well. It felt so reliant on the Toy Story brand and the Buzz Lightyear character. Just, hey, this yeah. is Toy Story and this is Buzz Lightyear, so you will come and see this. Which is exactly what yeah. gives me the impression that this is largely a Disney, mm. a Disney joint as yeah. opposed to a Pixar joint. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I feel very strongly about this. I feel like that... Um, Pete Doctor and many of the Pixar core core A team mm. were not a part of this. Yeah, uh, I think that this is genuinely Pixar forcing, uh, sorry, Disney forcing this upon Pixar. Yeah, to release something, and they just went like, okay, here's our side team. Yeah, let's yeah. make this. <laughs> the, the, um, here's the our tech B Beeler squad kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and none of the A A team writers were on this mm. because they're like, we don't want to do this. Yeah. We don't think it's right for our 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 brand. Tone, yeah. Our brand. Yeah. And you know, look, if you want to make this, make it. But mm. you're not getting the best of us. Yeah. See, I mean, that's when I say like it worries me, and you know, it brings me joy. It worries me because I hope Disney does not keep resorting to putting Pixar on Disney Plus mm-hmm. straight away for free. But it makes me happy because it shows that the audience has standards. Mm-hmm. They have standards. And you know, you can see it right here. Top Gun, fourth weekend, within 7 million of Lightyear. That's <laughs> amazing. Because Top Gun's getting such great word of mouth. People want good movies at the end of the day. 
Like you can say like IP drives people to the cinemas and that is true. But like Top Gun keeps them in the cinemas. Top Gun makes people, oh not sorry, not Top Gun, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. brings people to the cinemas again and again it makes people go and say hey come with me to this movie hey go see this you know ip just gets people to the cinemas one time and if it's IP good it does people IP yeah does i think action and ip brings mm. people to the cinemas i think high octane yeah. stuff does mm. um especially when it's like the kind of high octane that you can you can kind of absorb without thinking well, I mean, you can say that, but, you know, Mad Max is no box office juggernaut. Didn't come close to it. In fact, that probably failed. Um, yeah, but I would say Mad Max is probably the kind of action film that most people wouldn't really be drawn to. I mean, Mission Impossible Fallout, not a box office hit. Not not in the same way as this is. So, it, there, there's a lot to it. Absolutely. There is a lot to it. I and, mean, Transformers yeah. is extremely popular. You, you can say that one too. But, um... Yeah, no, I just, I want to highlight Top Gun here because it is doing something that's, you know, almost unspoken mm-hmm. in box office. This is the, se- it's technically the third biggest fourth weekend ever, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, American Sniper, that has an asterisk because it released nationwide on its fourth weekend, so it doesn't really count. Yeah. Um, so it's technically the second and that's pretty, pretty fucking incredible. To do this, and it's going to go over six hundred million. Will be top ten U.S. domestic at the end of its run. Might into the top twenty all time worldwide. I th- that's so cool to see. Mm. I just I love seeing a good movie that was clear to be in cinemas, to be on the big screen, making such a good yeah box office return. Yeah, man, Paramount's just, biggest film ever. Yeah, it, it, it's it's so great to see. It gives me a little faith in the in the you know industry, industry yeah. and the audience so you know yeah good to see that but um we'll see if uh avatar 2 i think that's the only movie that might be able to top it so we'll have to see that's going to be an we interesting will. uh interesting development there um but yeah no that will do it from us today guys do you guys agree with everything that we've discussed here today i mean are you guys excited for the the Joker musical, or perhaps you're liking Obi Wan Kenobi right now? And whatever it is, whatever your thoughts are, head on over to our Instagram at Movie Gains, and we can have a chat. You know, we're also active on Facebook, Twitter, moviegains.com If those platforms are more your cup of tea, as always, you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cheers to everyone who tuned into our show today. It's always a good fun being part of your day by discussing all things pop culture. See everybody, enjoy the rest of the day, and we'll talk to you next time. Later.